Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of spiritual awakening, spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and a soul approach to understanding your true potential. And I am most happy and delighted to welcome award-winning stuntman Curtis Rivers from England, author of The Fearless Path. Hi, Curtis, and thank you for joining us today. Hello there, Cheryl. You're very, very welcome. Very happy to be here. Curtis, as you and our listening audience have discovered, my guests and I, we seek to share intimate revelations and experiences of metaphysical origins to perhaps better understand the duality of our human and our energetic aspects in order to recognize that we are more than we seem and life offers us the opportunity to remember truly who we are, have always been, and will always be. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Curtis will share a mystical mountainous trek to unlock the secrets to eliminating the fears that hold most of us back and to discover the clues that guide us to create a life of purpose, fulfillment, and unlimited success and happiness. Curtis, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood, to either a person or a place or an event that may have molded them into the adult they are now. Uh, For I have found that almost from the earliest days in our life, the imprint for our destiny and life plan are present. So please think back for a moment. Yeah, it's funny you should ask that because... um you know, my career has taken uh, different paths in terms of my wanting to be a stuntman from a small child uh, and being attracted to the excitement of that as a career. But interestingly, even as a small child, I, I would wander around and kind of uh, ask the big questions. I, I do remember this feeling um, at the age of about, let's say, seven, wandering around and trying to be a do-gooder and trying to help people. and. Uh, feeling that you know that was a, a bit of a calling I didn't understand how that would manifest and that kind of thing it's almost like the the stunt career which I, I managed to focus on and attract in the end you know after many many years of training so almost that was a, a slight distraction and that had to happen first in order for me to come back to the original path with that I'm on now which is uh, you know really trying to, to help everybody that I come into contact with um, via various talks and seminars and that kind of thing and via the book um, you know, to try and get people to live uh, on purpose, really. It's something that, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about. And I think that origin really began at sort of the age of about seven, and definitely by eight, I'd, um, you know, chosen that career path as a stunt performer, whilst uh, still feeling there was a bigger purpose in the background. It's funny, but I was a similar type of kid, and I used to sing and dance when people would come in and try to amuse them and make them happy. Because as an empath, I felt so many of their emotions, pain and fear and sorrow. And I just wanted to let them know that everything was all right. So I've also traveled many paths, but our purpose was there from the beginning, truly to just help people awaken to who they are and the beauty in life and the goodness within 
each of us to share it with each other. So I think that was there for you, too. Now, yeah. you, you do tell a story about when you were 22 and you had never left the uh, U.K., and your summer vacations were in England, not too far from where you lived. So that's how my childhood was, too. I didn't go too far at the beginning either. But you felt like uh, there was a special mission, even then, that you had to accomplish. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, about a similar sort of path, just introducing uh, you know, people to that sort of spiritual aspect and giving books out in different languages about uh, you know spiritual development and that was done on the way to uh, a quest to deliver medical aid over to Romania at the time because children were dying just through a lack of the most simple medicines you know like cod liver oils and things that we all take for granted in the West and so I literally just packed my car uh, it wasn't a lorry or anything. I just took the seats out and completely packed it up to the roof with all these medical supplies. Uh, and a colleague and I drove all the way over about 12 different countries across Europe, all the way to the Black Sea, to deliver these uh, these medical goods. You know, and it was such a, a life-changing experience. Um, you know, following my heart. That was probably the first time I'd really followed my heart. And didn't people didn't really understand why I was doing this, and they misunderstood it. But uh, just following that uh, intuition, you know and being guided and you know following my heart and going out there and doing something to help um, yeah and life change yeah and some wonderful things happened and also some very challenging things you were traveling with uh, a man named swen who had um a mental health issue and you ran into some trouble along the way and what did all that teach you well, it's it's uh, it's in hindsight like many <laughs> like many good life lessons that we look back and, and and look at it in a different light at the time. Um, I was so focused on going abroad and traveling this route to places I'd never been through countries I didn't speak the language, and I surrounded myself and the technique that I used to to accomplish goals. You know, surround myself in imagery and and I obsess about that. I can become very passionate about that goal, and so my bedroom at the time became. HQ, my desk was surrounded by different photographs of different countries and a huge map, you know, with map pins and string, and it was all about getting there, getting to uh, Romania. And one thing that I didn't do, it sounds strange, but it was to plan the route back in as much detail. I thought that if I could get there, no problem at all, that's the difficult bit, let's get these supplies. And I planned quite a relaxed route back via a few different other countries, just doing a little bit of sightseeing, opportunity to see a bit of the world. But I hadn't planned it. I hadn't done the inner work, if you like, uh, in preparing for that return leg. And so the journey out there was nothing short of miraculous. You know, the coincidences, the so-called coincidences and synchronicities and the way everything just fell together, uh, like remarkably so, uh, to just to make that happen. And in exact contrast, uh, anything that could go wrong on the return leg went wrong in terms of my colleague putting the wrong fuel in the car so the car broke down and you know he had a mental breakdown and had to be flown back uh, from Italy on the way home I was robbed I lost my passport and so many things went wrong and it's years later once I started to understand you know things like cosmic order and law of attraction you know the, the fact that thoughts become things that I then realized 
why that happened. You know, I'd given no thought and good intention to the way back. It was all about just getting there. And if ever there was a, a lesson in, the, you know, showing that to be the case, then that trip proved that, absolutely. And maybe you developed, because of some of the challenges, a little bit of fear. And that fear gravitated and brought in some of these conditions. But ultimately, I believe you did it out of the goodness of your heart. You accomplished a lot at a very young age. And uh, it was also to prepare you for other things down the road and to, to give you a balance between what could be easy and what could be difficult so you could appreciate everything that was going to come. In the future. Now, you always had a desire to explore and travel the world. Where do you think that came from? Did was anybody in your family or anybody around you interested in stunt work and movie work? And so, how did that happen? You think? Funnily enough, uh, I would say from my mother's side. My mother, you know, had had a real strong yearning to travel. And before she met my father, she'd been over to the States in the early 60s and travelled around Texas and been over to Amsterdam and lived in Amsterdam for a while. And, you know, she, she settled down with my father who didn't really want to leave England, you know. He was, uh, you know, why do I want to go overseas when everything I want is in England? And quite a narrow mindset, you know, the, the sort of uh, father who ingrains that ideology of that money doesn't grow on trees and there's only just enough to go around and that kind of thing. Well, they were very different. <laughs> they were very exactly. different. Dog and cheese, absolutely, yeah. completely different. So, and yes, I think, it was from my mother, I think. Okay, and I think your wife was very different also and felt differently about travel. But you managed to work out a way uh, that you could get that part of your life and the adventure that you needed and the passion for movement and, and still maintain a good relationship. And I'm sure that was very challenging. So how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that sort of situation where in a relationship there's that compromise and that okay and then that's fine, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really have to happen. But then really deep down you're just kidding yourself. And, you know, is it fair for one person to, to be a little bit, uh, you know, repressed and, and, and not to be able to follow their adventures? And, you know, where is that middle ground? And... The middle ground that I arrived in is that, you know, provided I gave a great family holiday and we could travel by car to Europe, then uh, as long as that was all provided for and accomplished, then it was fine for me to go away on an adventure once a year to go on an expedition to do something that, you know, my wife wouldn't, uh, you know, yearn to do, hacking through some forest, walking to Machu Picchu or scaling the pyramids or, you know, that kind of uh, expeditionary type adventure. So that would be reserved well, uh, once a year. I think it's really very healthy for married couples to have a different travel experiences and not always together because we don't, we're, we're unique beings and we don't all have the same interests. We can love someone who's very different from us, but we want to see them grow and have their soul expand. And uh, I think it's wonderful that your wife was able to see that you needed that and she was happy 
and you know very local trips or or not as adventuresome trips so for our listeners out there it is a good thing you can hold someone at your side all the time and you can't be attached at the hip you need time to expand and grow and develop yourself and your own interests so that was great now let's get on to your mountain climbing expedition and your very interesting guide pierce tell us something about meeting pierce and how he opened up a great deal of new ways to see the mountain and your climb and life in general. Yeah, so, so Pierce uh, is described in the book uh, at a, where I meet the guide early in an adventure to reach the summit of a mountain over a week of climbing and arrives unannounced and unexpectedly and turns out to be uh, a life-changing mentor and you know it says at the start of the book that uh, this is an allegorical tale it's uh, a number of journeys squeezed into one and you know the time scales have changed you know for the format of the book but essentially it's the the, the choice words of wisdom um, that I've received over the years all condensed and compressed uh, in, into seven days of an adventure and hopefully seven days of reading it's it's written in such a way that the, the reader would do a chapter a day um, as I would climb the mountain um, once per day and yeah just, just words of pure wisdom and a kind of timeless energy about him uh, tapping into you know that kind of cosmic um, bookstore if you like that fountain of knowledge uh, and imparting that to me at a time when I needed to hear those words yeah, and he was a very wise and welcoming man. And he likened the wonderful gift of life to a shipwreck. And you wrote what he shared with you. And you wrote. You see, he continued, We are born into this life like the survivors of a sunken ship who wake up the next morning adrift on the ocean with their fellow passengers. Carried like corks upon the water, we drift with the ebb and flow of the tides at the mercy of where nature takes us. Like everyone else, we accept our lot and hope, beyond hope, that we will reach dry land before it is too late. Most people do not realize that all they have to do is swim away from the others. Save yourself. Swim away with your sights firmly on paradise, and you will feel that warm, dry sand beneath your toes. It's just like what we were talking about, following your inner intuition and instincts and life plan and destiny to go on the trips you need and to, at times, move away from the mindset of the crowd or family or work. So I love that. I love that very much. Now, Pierce also suggested if, if you do nothing with your mind, it will be like an untrained muscle. It'll still work, but only at a tiny fraction of its potential. What do you think he hoped you would discover? I think he would, uh, you know, the, the, the hope there was that I would listen and put those words into action. And knowing my background in, in various sports, that I had to learn to become a stuntman. Uh, I have the understanding of developing muscles and, and the process and how quick those results can happen and yet not overnight you know it can take a month a couple of months to see results uh, and likewise i followed that advice uh, and that's what i found and that's explained in the book as you know uh, yes. in terms of 
forming new thoughts than at least a month of daily um, you know activity and thought processes are required to to strengthen that muscle and uh, you know make it the subconscious mind effective by yes. putting a new idea and a new program down into that subconscious mind and not exactly like the muscle hope that I would try working out my brain like I did my body and uh, that's exactly what I did yeah he was hoping that you would realize uh, the power the personal power that we all have and uh, the effect that we have on creating our own life the way we we want it to be but with consistent effort and action so I think he was sharing that. You also tell a story, uh, I like this very much, about a man who dies and is greeted by two angels. Do you remember that story from the book? I do, yes, yes. Tell us about it. I I think our listeners would like to hear that. Yeah, that's just a story um, about a, a man as he passes away and he goes into the light and you know he's met with the couple of angels who preparing to open the door to paradise and the man's curious about what's behind the other door before I go in there and the angel in front of that door is a little bit coy and oh, you, you really don't want to go into there it's um, you know it's not a good place your your destiny lies behind this door with, with our, our friend here and the man's suddenly quite insistent and well can I have a look is it, you know can I at least have a peep can I and the angel says look you you're allowed to have a look you can go have a look around but this isn't for you your destiny doesn't lie here uh, you know it's not pleasant behind this door but he insists so the door is opened and he goes behind it and uh, he's quite taken aback expecting fire and brimstone he's uh, taken aback to find a beautiful sight awaits him you know in terms of a beautiful home and he slowly begins to realize that that looks a lot like the home that he was going to move to, uh, that he'd looked at, and that was all planned one day. And, in fact, you know, he, he steps through the door and has a good look, and he doesn't understand. He thinks this is marvelous, and he looks, and he sees the gardens that he was, uh, you know, going to plant different trees and uh, plants that he was going to plant when he got around to it. And, you know, goes on this adventure, and maybe he opens the garage door and sees... Uh, the car that he nearly bought a few years ago before he, uh, put, he, he backed down because it probably wasn't a good time. And when he questions the angel and says, but I, I don't understand, this is like, this looks perfect. Well, you, you said it was awful. And the angel puts a hand on his shoulder and says, my, my dear friend, uh, this is the life that you were meant to have. This was your destiny. If only you'd have carried through, took action and followed your dreams and didn't make excuses and say when you get around to it, this is the life you could have led uh, if only you'd have listened to your intuition and took action uh, but alas you know this isn't for you <laughs> and so he's and that's that. yeah, <laughs> and and that's a big lesson and in reference to that thought i wrote in my book the living spirit answers for healing and infinite love the following observation once we learn to focus and concentrate our thoughts in a consistent manner Without self-doubt and negativity, many of our best intentions will come to fruition. I have observed and concluded for myself that happiness is not based in power or in the accumulation of monetary goods and possessions. Rather, happiness is in the joy of giving and receiving and elevating oneself in the positive eternal energy dance in this physical dimension and with growing awareness of our higher spirit. 
So it's in trusting your thoughts and your dreams that we create them and that we can have the life that we were born to live. And it doesn't have to include suffering, though at times we might have sorrow or challenges. We don't have to live in it. We can move through the emotions always to what was intended for us by, I believe, spirit and the life we probably planned even before we got here. Now, you had to go to a drama school as part of your training to become a professional stunt performer. You learned some important aspects about uh, your physical and emotional and spiritual bodies at that time, and one was a technique um, in breathing. So how did all that help you with your development in so many areas of, of your life? Yeah, the, the, the term, the scientific-sounding term is uh, intercostal diaphragmatic breathing. And it's what uh, actors are taught in the UK. I'm not sure if it's in the States as well. I would imagine so. Probably is, In order yeah. to, to, to deliver long lines like Shakespearean yeah, uh, like texts, um, you know, a sentence is very, very long, then it's a large inhalation of breath. And I'd never even thought about it before. Um, but when asked to take a, a big breathe, you know, really breathe in, they, she looked very closely and saw that my stomach sank. And a lot of the times when people that aren't familiar with this, you know, they suck their guts in to look slimmer, you know, they breathe in, and it's the complete opposite to that sort of natural intended way. So if you place your hand on your tummy uh, and you inhale, your hand should rise as your lungs inflate with air. And so it's a little bit of rewiring. It took, um, you know, probably a month of daily conscious thought to, to breathe in through the nose and make sure that my stomach rose and then just feel my lungs expand that much more. And you can breathe in another third of air, you know, at least. And little did I know at the time, but much later on uh, in, in my life, uh, that would come in really handy to a number of ways, physically to uh, address fear, you know, before a big stunt. If my heart was racing, I was nervous, um, you know, to slowly do this inhalation through the nose. Uh, and a slow, much longer breathe out. Uh, that would really calm everything down. Um, use that now before I go on stage doing a talk. But also later uh, in mindfulness and in meditation, um, that same skill came in really, really uh, useful. Um, you know, to correct breathing through the nose, now through the mouth, and, and you know, concentrating on that breath was phenomenal. Yes, yes. So you learned skills that would serve you not only in your uh, physical work but in your spiritual development and how to connect to higher energy and to be at peace and to conquer fear. So how do you suggest our listeners work on conquering some of the normal fears and worries of their everyday life? I think it's, um, for, you know, in the first instance it's to, to separate you know, the two types of fear you know, the, the the natural fear, if a dog runs across the road barking, foaming at the mouth, that, and the heart raises and the hairs stand up on the back of your neck, uh, that's quite quite a natural fear, you know, from the reptilian part of your brain, the back of the brain, uh, your, your fight or uh, flight response. And, and then most of the other fears are ones that we, you know, as you know, that we add on ourselves, that yes. they're not real, that they are things that we create. In the form of excuses or worries, and you know, and they go right across the board to, you know, uh, a new a new business venture. You know, you're excited by it, and 
that feeling of nervousness and the fear that starts to creep in is completely invented. You know, what will the neighbours think if this goes wrong? Uh, right. They think I'm a failure. What if this goes wrong and I've quit my job and I'll have no money? I could be on the streets and and this 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 worry circle begins. Uh, what I call in the book the wobble zone. And once you understand the very basic uh, workings of this, that you know it's happening because this new thought is in your conscious mind. Uh, the tiny tip of the iceberg and that the software running the program in your life is in the subconscious mind once you know that you can affect and put by various methods that are fairly straightforward you know like visualization and meditation yes once you can do that daily and force that new thought down under that water to the bigger part of the iceberg the subconscious then you're now uh, resonating the same on both parts of the brain both parts of the mind and the fear just completely goes away and at that right. point it's so exciting because through repetition and through knowing that's how it works, the fear goes away and everything starts falling into place. It's just absolutely perfect, you know, unadulterated magic. And through repetition, I, I know that's what it's all about. I, I'll take on a new thought. I've got new thoughts and plans for 2018. I feel that nervousness in the pit of my stomach. I can be laid awake thinking at night, but I recognize that this is the wobble zone. Right. The cognitive disparency. I know what that feels like. And so I change it and I decide, you know what, I've been here a hundred times before. This is exciting. Uh, this is different. This is something different. Yeah, you buy, into, you buy into the better aspect of it instead of into exactly. the worrisome. And, you know, I always tell my clients as an intuitive healer and medium, I always say, <laughs> you know, there's no failure. <laughs> and what is the thing most people are afraid of? being judged by yeah. others and death <laughs> well there's no yeah. death and there's no failure everything is just an opportunity for us to experience ourselves on a different level and so once you can once you know that to be true once you understand energy and that energy never can be destroyed and every thought we have and every experience and memory we have is just sheer energy and we are an energetic presence in a physical body uh, then a lot of that becomes pointless and you can really be free of many of the burdens of the world. So what is it you would like readers to take away with them after reading The Fearless Path? I'd just like them to take away the knowledge that, that they are in complete control of their destiny. You know, I'm going back to that cork floating on the ocean analogy, you know, that if they're floating in a rowing boat that they, that they are oars at their feet and they can take them out, turn the boat around and, and head away from that storm or the perceived danger and they can head to a fantastic life and it really saddens me that the vast majority of people aren't really aware of just how powerful their subconscious mind is and that they totally have the power to create their own reality uh, a lot of people, you know don't really understand that and even people kind of in the mind body and spirit world you know uh, that they don't fully understand the absolute total concept that you know thoughts create our reality and so i just yes. hope that by being somebody i consider a very normal guy um, and you know i know i'm a stuntman and i've broken records but when you read the book you'll understand that and the most unlikely uh, stuntman for instance i wasn't physically fit athlete i just really had a passion and wanted to be in the movies doing stunts and i broke world records in skydiving even though i'm afraid of heights and there's nothing special <laughs> about me i just knew a technique that i'm sharing in the book 
that anybody can do. I'm really nothing special. I just have this technique, and I love to share it because I love people to to listen. Because it's the truth. Yeah, because you're sharing the truth. Right. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing discovery of the power of our mind, intentions, and actions to create and foster goodwill, love, and success, and prosperity, and health by living an authentic and venturesome life free of fear and restriction. And to purchase Curtis Rivers' book, The Fearless Path, and discover your own path forward to joyful living and courageous living, go to curtisrivers.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have seen how Curtis Rivers began at an early age to honor his destiny and life plan and to learn more about himself and to enjoy doing what he always wanted to, which was to travel, explore the world and nature, the arts and the beauty of life, and also to serve people by helping them and to deal with challenging situations. He discovered, I believe, that it is not in the receiving of all of our dreams, but in the sharing of these dreams that we find fulfillment and greater levels of consciousness and interact with the world and other people and refine our emotions. And we allow our soul to journey, to expand, and to appreciate all the small virtues of life's delights and many of us discover the mystery of our spiritual gifts and our alignment to all living things. Curtis has done daring stunts, climbed mountains, and asked questions of the guides along the way. He opened his mind and heart to the possibilities of living fully and without the fears or expectations of others. And the reward for Curtis, and indeed for each of us, who reaches out to find the inner essence of our own soul desires and to value and accept others without judgment, blame, or negativity, finds that very same reward. The reward is peace, well-being, and contentment for whatever is happening in life. As whatever is happening offers us new ways to love ourselves and indeed to love life. Curtis wrote a quote from Marcus Aurelius. Everything that happens, happens as it should, and if you observe carefully, you will find this to be so. Curtis and I would have you open your eyes, even if there is any darkness or cold around you, and you will soon feel the light and the warmth and the path forward. There is hope and joy in learning loving and living with soul courage. We can all aspire to find the truth within. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and I invite you to visit me at my website, CherylGlick.com, to hear authors, visionaries, healers, and educators share ways to explore your inner and outer world and to find ways to encourage personal and collective growth. Shows may also be heard on DreamVision7Radio.com and WebTalkRadio.net. Thank you.